Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Moments with Maya. Conversations of love and laughter. The show where each week, your host, healthcare administrator and certified humour professional, Maya Aziz, invites someone who is out there pushing the positive to join her for a heartfelt and often hilarious coffee conversation about love, laughter, leadership and, well, life. Love and laughter might not cure what ails you, but they sure go a long way to getting you through those tough life moments. So sit back, pour yourself a cup, and get ready to laugh and learn today on Morning Moments. Look for the good. It is all around. Yes, it is. And this is Maya coming to you from Montreal. I have my coffee poured. I am revved and ready for another great conversation today. Wow, we are already three weeks into the new year. Back to work, back to the daily grind, back to reality. With the fun and love and laughter of the holiday season seeming like an increasingly distant memory. But does it have to be? I mean, do work and fun and laughter have to be mutually exclusive? Personally, I am so grateful when someone makes me laugh at work. In fact, one of my favorite colleagues is someone who, without a miss, every time we have the heaviest of meetings or the most serious of, you know, sometimes frustrating work. <laughs> hey, Maya, I love that joke you just taught. I love it when I get to use that during a presentation, which I actually will be using in just a few weeks, I'm doing a program on using humor in business for a bunch of consultants, and that's always uh, a great story when I'm asking, you know, how many people in the room have to manage other people and what it's like trying to manage them without using your sense of humor. I think originally it came from my mom. My mom was old Irish Roman Catholic up in New York, and, uh, you know, just a tough old Irish. Well, she wouldn't know. She was just tough and Irish, I guess. And uh, But she was the kind of person who could have you laughing just telling you about her trip to the store that day because she was just so opinionated and, and just really, I mean, she'd just have us rolling on the floor where my dad, God bless him, love my dad, but really not much of a sense of humor. It just you, you would tell him a joke and he'd look at you and go, well, Jeffrey, I don't think you could actually build a bridge from here to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke, okay? <laughs> so, very logical guy, loving guy, best dad ever, but humor just kind of evaded him. So, definitely my mom. And, you know, growing up, I listened to, I guess, not, 
I guess, well, I guess growing up, I listened to all the different guys like Art Carney and uh, the Honeymooners, uh, Red Skelton. I loved him. And then uh, as I got older, my generation, uh, it was uh, Richard Pryor and uh, George Carlin, and I was a big Steve Martin fan because I, I thought there was definitely that nerd inside me, too. Matter of fact, when I first started performing comedy, I sounded a lot like Steve Martin. It was like, hey, okay, so he's the next trick. Whoa, hey, watch out. <laughs> and yet people laughed. I can't believe that. So, so I would say that's where it came from. And you know what? But the big, I think the big thing for me, there's actually, you know what? There actually was a pivotal moment. I believe it was in fifth grade. And there was a teacher, uh, Miss uh, Donahue, who had a little crush on. The fifth grade crush, you know what I mean? No. Yeah. I figured probably wasn't going to go anywhere. But we had one guy in our class, Miles Coker. And I remember her saying to him, you know, just as distinctly as she, if she said it today, she said, Miles, you know what's so great about you? And I'm going, wow, wow. You know, what's, what does she really like about him? Maybe I can be that too. And she said, you have the ability to laugh at yourself, the beginning of it. When I learned how to do self-effacing humor, not self-deprecating. Self-deprecating is more putting yourself down and, but self-effacing is more laughing at the things that happen to you in life. And I think that's when I really started using humor to diffuse situations and uh, I guess to make more friends. So you were very young. I mean, it sounds as though you, know, you were um, influenced by humor and perhaps with a little bit of your DNA as a child and even started to see um, the application of humor, whether it was, as you say, to, to make friends um, or to... I'm still trying to figure that out. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it, it was actually a progression. Uh, what happened was I was a stand-up comedian, and since I was clean, and I've always tried to be a clean comedian, I, I did curse some at the beginning, but once I decided to stop cursing in my act, I believe I became a better writer and a better presenter. So when I moved to Atlanta to marry the now present Mrs. Justice, um, I would be performing at the local comedy club, The Punchline, and from time to time there would be people in there that were booking corporate events. And they started coming up to me saying, hey, I bet you would be great for luncheon programs. And I said, sure. I had no idea what the luncheon program was, but I, I had a feeling I paid money, so I said, sure, yes, perfect. I eat lunch. I could be good at that. And uh, brown bag, was that, that what they call them? And I started doing those, and I realized really quickly that even though I had a clean act, a lot of the stuff I was, was doing wasn't appropriate to uh, the corporate, corporate atmosphere. So one of my students and friends came to me one day and said, hey, Jeff, I bet you and I and this other woman, Carrie, could do some programs on using humor uh, in the workplace. He says, I could teach him improv. You could teach him, you know, how to deal with humor and stress. And uh, Carrie could teach him, you know, other things, breathing and everything. And, and one of the things I had realized when I was doing these luncheon programs, that people would come down just totally stressed out. They were white-knuckled, you know, ready to go stuff their boss into the shredder when they went back upstairs. And after 30, 45 minutes of laughter, they were totally changed. Their faces were happy. You know, they were relaxed. They were, you know, their body language changed. And that's when I first started thinking that there must be a connection between humor and, and de-stressing. So Robert and I put together these programs, 
and the first two or three were just horrible. <laughs> it was just, I was like <laughs> reading the program off of, you know, index cards, and we'd have like 15 or 20 people. But by the third or fourth time that we did it, I started getting my stories down, and I started getting the information down. And one night, I, st- I got hired to do a program, and I got there right before the program started. The agent was there. She says, okay, so, um, you know, you're going to be on from – Eight to nine o'clock. And I said, "Well, I, I've got a forty-five minute program." She goes, "Well, they hired you to do an hour." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so I said, "I tell you what, introduce me as an expert on stress and stress in the workplace." So that's what they introduced me as. So for the first fifteen minutes, I did some of the funnier stuff from our humor and stress program that I came with, uh, that we came up with. And of course, they were expecting somebody to be really boring talking about stress. So that went over really well, and then once I finished that and I went into my regular act, it just kept getting funnier and funnier, and that was the birth of my programs like uh, Laugh More, Stress Less, Avoid Getting Burned Out, and Humor in the Workplace. So once I realized I could get an audience, I could work in that material uh, and make it a corporate presentation and get them to laugh for an hour, they'd love it, and as I've changed over the years, that at that time was like 15 minutes worth of funny business-oriented uh, material, and now it's like 45 minutes worth of funny business-oriented material and 15 minutes of comedy magic. I love how how um, you, you saw the effect when you first started doing this. You know, you described these people coming into the session, you know, white knuckled, as you say, stressed out, and and by the end of you know not a very long period of time, you actually. All right, so here's a, here's a borderline one. Okay, uh, you ever have a sexual experience that was just so incredible you put it on your resume? Okay. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? Where it says sex, just put see special skills. <laughs> you know, there's no nursing, there's no cursing in that. But um, you know, it's is that appropriate? Or one I used to do about my wife. I'd say my wife and I would get married later in life, first time for her, 38 years old. You know, she's always had a great sense of humor. And I I remember on our honeymoon, my curiosity got the best of me. And I said, Look, honey, I know you're 38 years old and and, and never married, but is there is there any chance that um, I was first? He said, Well. You could have been. You look familiar. <laughs> said, That's not funny, honey. Okay. <laughs> so you know, those are both two good jokes. Clean, no cursing. But is it okay to talk about sex? You know, and it's not. And you know, in the in the business audiences now are so PC. Uh, the only thing I can make fun of is myself and inanimate objects. So. <laughs> <laughs> You can't Great make... examples. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it gets down to sometimes when you think about it. You know, uh, and, you know, I, I give my students now, actually how I got started in stand-up comedy, I didn't know if you want to know that. The comedy thing started when uh, I was with a girlfriend and we were reading the Sunday paper and I was doing, I was working at a magic shop downtown and doing like these little humorous routines to sell our magic pro- uh, products. And we're reading the Sunday paper, and there was a, an ad for a new TV show, a local TV show, the Bill Tush Show. And they were looking for comedians, writers, entertainers. And I said, you know, I want to go down and audition for that. She goes, audition for what? 
I said, well, they're looking for comedians. She said, well, you're not funny. Seriously? So I think I've spent the last 30-something years of my life trying to prove to her, yes, I am funny. (laughs) (laughs) So that's sort of like that. Yeah, I auditioned for them, didn't get the job, but I went and did open mic night at one of the local clubs and and got laughs. And once I got laughs, uh, I was hooked. And within four months, I had gone up to New York City, auditioned at one of the comedy clubs there, the the comic strip, great club up there, and passed the audition the first time. And I I thought you just went up there and they and they would just, you know you would audition. They go well, you should be a comedian or not be a comedian. I, I figured they knew they had that godlike power. And I didn't realize that people went there for like sometimes years auditioning every few weeks or so trying to get funny enough to be there. But I had this really unique little bit that I did, a couple of magic things that nobody had ever seen before, and they were pretty sick and pretty funny, and got past the first night. So I was like, well, okay, I sold everything I had in Atlanta, took that 20 bucks, moved to New York, and the rest is history. Wow. <laughs> what a great story. You know, something else that you said about, you know, speaking of using clean humor, you said that when you cleaned up your act, it actually made you a better writer and presenter. What do you mean by that? How did it do that? All right. So I, I started to tell you um, that, and then I, my brain just went another different direction. <laughs> I, I, I think a piece of dust floated by and I got distracted. So uh, one of the things that you mentioned before is I teach stand-up comedy. And in my stand-up comedy class, I, I make them write clean material, and they always want to know why. No, that's just not me. You know, I, I just like to you know, curse and do this. Tell them that if you can write clean and get laughs the first time they're on stage, they can do anything. But if they go up there the first time and they curse to get laughs, then that's all they're ever going to do. Because cursing and getting laughs is a fairly easy way and kind of a lazy man's way of getting uh, last. Now, there is some humor that it would be ridiculous if the person didn't curse with it, like some of Richard Pryor's stuff and things like that. It made a lot of sense with. But when people use cursing as a crutch, and by a, what I mean by a crutch is that if you take that word out, that F-bomb or whatever it is out of there, and people don't laugh, then to me it wasn't a joke in the first place. People were just laughing at the fact that you were cursing. So once I didn't have that effect of dropping F-bombs on certain lines to get a laugh, uh, I had to rewrite the joke, and I had to put a lot more work and emphasis into my delivery. And and I'm the first one to admit there's two or three jokes in my act that have never gotten the same laugh that they got when I did curse. But that was just a decision I had made. I'm, like, I'm going to do this without cursing, and... I'm very happy I did it, and it's, it's made me a couple of great careers that I, in areas that I could not have gone if I remained the other way. For sure. And what you say makes sense. I, you know, I've never actually heard it explained that way, but it makes sense. I'm thinking of people you know, like Jim Gaffigan, for example, who you know, has quite clean humor. And I'm always so impressed by um, the content and the, the crafting of his material. Um, so what you're saying makes sense in terms of you know, when you take out all the curse words, you've got to have something still there. Uh, for yep, look, at, look at Brian Regan, if you ever get to see him. Hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Kathleen, yeah. Kathleen Madigan. Mm-hmm. You know, she's another one. And and they're very, very funny people, and they just they don't curse. At least from what I've seen from them, they don't. I, I'm always sending my students 
links to videos I find on YouTube, and that might just be just their clean bit. But from what, from what I can see, those people are very funny. But yeah, that's, that's always, if you go to open mic night, that's the first thing you do is people that are up there for the first few times, they're, they're, they're cursing, trying to get laughs. It's sad. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I and can it's imagine. To be a happy <laughs> yes. So, so let's bring this link back to, you know, this aspect of, of funny and humor back to the workplace. What can it actually bring to the workplace? Like, why should we bother trying to have humor and use humor, particularly, say, as leaders or managers? What are the benefits? Well, first of all, usually the workplace is a very stressful place, made even more stressful if you don't use humor. Matter of fact, I remember mm-hmm. one company, uh, one of my past uh, comedy students was working for a division of a company I won't ma- name, and he said, Jeff, they actually sent around a memo today saying there's too much laughter, oh, the laughter. And oh, within a God. month, the division was closed. So. You know, humor brings people together. It creates a bond. Now, it's got to be appropriate humor for the workplace. You don't want to use humor that's going to put other people down. You don't want to use humor that's going to make other people uncomfortable. And and, and it's a fine line, too, because, you know, just for an example, let's say, you know, uh, I'm going bald, and I might be okay with it. And so I'm making fun of Bob over there who's also going bald. Well, Bob may not be okay with it. Maybe it's very traumatic to him, and maybe something weird happened to him that caused him to uh, lose his hair, you know, whatever. Or the same thing with weight or anything like that. So you have to make sure other people are okay with it too. And, and you know, it, it's kind of tough sometimes to, to break in something new like that. But I, I always feel that people really can't go wrong poking fun at themselves, but they can – um, go wrong poking fun at other people. Mm-hmm. And you can poke fun at the competition. Um, you can uh, poke fun of equipment, things like that, situations that you're in. But you know, even with my comedians, they want to do political jokes. I said, you got to understand when you do political humor, you're alienating half the people in the room. You know, if you're just going to make fun, like in America, of the Democrats, then – uh, the Democrats are all not going to like you. And if you're making fun of just the Republicans, they're not going to like you. You've lost half your audience. So I, to me, it's, it's so important in the workplace, though. And it should be encouraged by management because all that stuff comes from the top down. And I just love it when I do a corporate presentation and the president comes out using humor or the president comes out um, referring to something that I said, like I was doing the opening keynote for uh, Bell South here one time. And I had a warm-up exercise that I, I would do in the beginning, and I'd get everybody to get up and pair it with somebody they didn't know, and they had to introduce themselves to the other person and tell them something about themselves uh, without using the words I or I. So you couldn't say, hi, I'm Jeff, I'm a engineer and I'm working on this thing, you know, you couldn't use those words. So people would be up there going, you know, you know me, Jeff, me, speaker, you know, <laughs> be happy. To, so, and, and everybody starts laughing because it's so hard to, to have a sentence. Of course, engineers are really trying to make it work, but everybody else, <laughs> all the communications and HR people are laughing. And after my keynote was over, uh, Dwayne, the uh, president, gets up there and says, 
me, Dwayne, me in charge. And, of course, the place went crazy laughing because here's the boss using humor. And I started doing a lot of humor in business places. Uh, business places. God, that's not even English, is it? In businesses <laughs> back in the 90s when there was a lot of authoritarian leadership still going on. And I was going into places and doing humor in the workplace programs where not only had they never had a professional speaker before, they never even had food or coffee at a meeting. It was just people sat down in chairs and, and made to listen to whatever the management person said. So they were going crazy over what I was doing. I mean, I wish I'd videotaped those ones. They, they were just great. But what I loved was I would come back into a future meeting, and there would be some of them up there being funny and telling their stories. I'm going, what changed from the last time I was here? And they said, you know, your program last time gave us permission to start using humor in our presentations. And he said, it's been unbelievable. He said, we didn't realize we had so many funny people. And you know what? The employers are actually paying attention to the speakers now, and they're all using appropriate humor, and they're all using stories to drive home their points like you showed us. And I, and I was just enthralled. I'm going, that is just so amazing. So sometimes people just need that permission, but management needs to encourage it. That's interesting that you say um, you know they need that permission because I, I've certainly seen that as well where there's sometimes there's managers who are scared to use humor or to. You bring up a good point, and I I tell my audiences that a lot of people have that fear. They say, "Well, Jeff, you know, if I use humor, people may not take me seriously." And I'm like, "Hey, they don't anyway." <laughs> Actually. <laughs> But really, if you think like that, I don't, people do, I don't think people do. But the, they have proved in study after study that the opposite is true, that people feel that if you're willing and able to poke fun at yourself and what you do, it actually shows that you're extremely confident in what you do and who you are. I mean, think of the people that you know that poke fun at themselves. You, you know, I'm, and again, I'm talking about self-effacing humor, not self-deprecating, which is really putting yourself down. They're saying, I'm stupid, I'm, you know, whatever, you know, you want to fill in there, um, which is what I really try to get my students away from, is, is putting themselves down and laughing at the stuff. Everybody messes up, you know, and, and audiences usually don't want to hear about how perfect you are. They want to hear how you messed up, too, you were human, and then how you made everything all right again, how you over, overcame those type of things. But it is a fear that people have, and I'm here to tell you, if you're using appropriate humor, and this is what I tell my business audiences, and this is what I'll be telling this one in a few weeks, is that I don't think they should ever, ever use humor during a presentation, except to make a point. Mm -hmm. Because if you're using humor to make a point, even if the laughter doesn't work, they're still going to get the point. People will give you much more leeway um, with your humor if they know it's to make a point, to drive something home, as opposed to getting up there and just telling a joke to try to get a laugh. I don't think that ever works for a business people. Uh, business people. And to me, I always cringe when somebody starts off a presentation saying, well, hey, I heard this really great joke today. And, you know, first of all, humor needs surprise. So you just took away the surprise. And second, when you say, oh, I heard a really funny story, or I heard a really great story, or either a great, really funny story I heard, uh, there's a lot of people in the audience going, hey, I know some really great stories, so this one better be hysterical and being <laughs> judgmental to you. So 
um, you know, you don't want to announce the humor that you're doing. You never want to apologize for it. You never want to go, uh, you know, I mean, have you ever heard somebody get up to start a presentation like, well, you know, I'm not very good at uh, telling jokes, but my wife said, you know, I should start off with one, so here it goes. <laughs> you know, to me, what I'm hearing is I'm not very good at telling a joke, but I don't mind boring you folks to death. So if you're going to do it, do it. Be confident in it. And and you can use, I mean, I in my keynote presentation, everything that I do that's funny in that um, program is to make a point. So I might say something like um, humor breaks down resistance. Or I said, you ever, you ever get stressed out from somebody trying to pay you a compliment? Yeah, you know, or, you know, how many people here talk to themselves? You know, when I talk about how important that is. So, you know, if I'm, I'm talking to people about um, somebody uh, stretching out from a compliment, I said, you know, it reminds me of a few weeks ago, I, at the end of a show, a young guy comes up to me afterwards and says, hey, man, you look like that funny dude on TV. I said, yeah, I hear it a lot. You know, who, Jeff Foxworthy? You know, Geraldo? He goes, no, the neighbor on The Simpsons. And if you've seen me, I look like the neighbor in the Simpsons. <laughs> What's his name? Ed Flanders. You can stop laughing now, Maya. It's not that big of a joke. Okay? Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I, I, I just advice um, in terms of how humor in a presentation or in the workplace needs to be to make a point. I never sort of thought about it that way, but you're right. It can exactly. fly. You're there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I might tell a so make the point that humor breaks down resistance. I said, like my youngest daughter was spent an hour before dinner, and she says, Daddy, can I have a cookie? I said, well, you know, it's not a parent in the audience that can't answer that question. You know, no, honey, it will. And everybody goes, you know, ruin your appetite. I go, right. Unless, of course, you're a grandparent. And you go, yeah, sure. Here, have some cake with that, too. I said, no. She goes, please. I said, no. Please? No. She goes, pretty please? I said, come on, how many times do I have to tell you no? She goes, oh, if I guess, do I get a cookie? <laughs> See, you laugh. She got a cookie. <laughs> Humor breaks down resistance. <laughs> oh, that's a great example. So what no, I just did for you there is a technique called the sandwich technique. So you make your point. You use a humorous story, analogy, cartoon, whatever, to drive your point home. And then you repeat the point again. So my point was humor breaks down resistance. I told the story about the cookie. And at the end, I just repeat it again. Humor breaks down resistance. So that, that's a sandwich technique. Like I remember the first time I had ever, ever heard it was a, uh, a story where they talked about statistics. Because people always say, well, how can you use humor with something really boring like statistics? And I said, well, you know, it reminds me of the story the time that Yogi Berra I said, statistics is confusing to people. Reminds me of the time that Yogi Berra went into a restaurant, ordered a pizza. The waitress says, you want me to cut that in four slices or eight? He said, hey, you better make it four. I don't think I could eat eight. <laughs> statistics are confusing to people. <laughs> so use the sandwich technique to get point, points across. And you can also use an old joke to make your point, too, if you preface, preface it, like I might start off by saying, uh, you know, you might have heard this joke before, but I think it really makes this point. 
then you don't get people judgmental in the audience going, oh, man, I heard that joke before. Man. But now they're going, oh, yeah, you know, he's right. That does make that point. So that's a way to diffuse situations. And, you know, know the audience that you're talking to. There's a big difference between doing humor for the executive board and doing humor for the hourly wage employees. They have different things in common. You know, all the employees that are actually doing the work, you can make fun of management. <laughs> but with management, you would never make fun of the employees who are actually doing the work. Mm-hmm. It's like politicians, right? We can make fun of politicians, but if politicians make fun of us, then they're horrible, disgusting people. That's a great distinction, and it's true. Now, now yeah. Jeff, you are very funny, but what if you're a manager and you're not so funny? I mean, is this something that anyone can do? I mean, I'm humorous. Well, I would start and take small incremental steps. You know, you don't want to listen to this radio program and Monday morning walk into work and go, it's showtime. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to work. Um, there's things you can do to improve your sense of humor. You're in Montreal, right? Matter of fact, we love Montreal. We went up there a couple of years ago uh, for vacation to the Montreal Music Festival and stayed down by the pier. And what, What's that potato thing, Putang or Potoon? Putin, yes. Great. <laughs> oh, my God, the most disgusting, delicious thing we ever had. We actually walked about six miles and went to this sports bar that was way out. My my daughter had found it like on Montreal Yelp or whatever it was. She found it because oh, this is like supposed to be the best place, and it was great because they made it with home fries instead of French fries. Oh mm-hmm. my god! We ordered one of those, and we all just said we need to leave now before we order another one. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to have it other places, and it just wasn't as good. But uh, yeah, that that was pretty incredible there. So my suggestions are, you know, you know, the biggest one of the biggest comedy festivals in the world is the Montreal Comedy Festival. Yes, that's every year. Go see that. Uh, find people who are teaching uh, comedy in uh, Montreal, and it doesn't have to be stand-up comedy; it can be improvisational. <laughs> and I took three years of improv in New York with Chicago Chicago City Limits. And to this day, I swear it's one of the best things I ever did for my comedy career because when you take improv, it really helps you to think on your feet and find find the humor in situations that you couldn't before. And believe me, I've taken improv with people that had no sense of humor at all. And then one day, it just all of a sudden, it clicked, and they got it. And, and you just saw a room of people just totally stunned when Gil – all of a sudden said something funny, and we were just looking at each other going, is that like one of the signs of Armageddon? (laughs) You actually said something funny? (laughs) Hysterical. But yeah, try that. So you might have a a management person who has to uh, do presentations and doesn't feel comfortable trying to deliver a comic line. Because remember, it's, it's all in delivery. Matter of fact, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to re-deliver the joke of mine that you did at the beginning. And then later on, you can listen to the difference between you delivering that joke and me delivering it. Okay? Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, to me, trying to manage other people uh, without using your sense of humor, you're a lot like the guy that cuts the grass at the cemetery. you got a lot of people underneath you, 
but no one is paying attention. Now, when you go back to hear you say it before, when you're going, Jeff says that if you're managing other people without using your sense of humor, you're a lot like the person at the cemetery. <laughs> I'm not mocking you, Maya. I'm just. <laughs> so it, humor is like 90% delivery. It, it really is. And uh, it, it's just something that you have to work on. And that's why it's good taking classes. Like in my comedy classes here in Atlanta, the great thing is I don't kiss up to anybody. You know, if it's not funny, I'm telling you. If you're saying it incorrectly uh, so that's not going to get a great laugh, I'm going to show you how to say it so it does get a, a good laugh. I mean, that, that's what I do. Uh, for my students, and you you got to have that, that delivery to, to make it go across. So let's say you're just the kind of person who really, you've never really been that funny. You're not, you don't feel comfortable trying verbal humor yet, and you have to give a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation. You could put it, have somebody, or you could put a funny um, slide in there. I guess you still call them slides and a frame, whatever they call them. Uh, you can use cartoons. Like I, I used to use one in one of my presentations. I, I do programs for court reporters of all people, sticklers for gra- grammar and humor and punctuation. And I talk to them how I've always and, – and, and this one here, I do this verbally, and it still works. So I said um, I'm very poor at grammar and punctuation. As a matter of fact, my wife has to uh, edit everything that I send out. I said that's why one of my favorite comics is one from one of the old Far Side comics, and it has the – Fathers of the Declaration of Independence sitting around a table, and Benjamin Franklin looks up and says, is it we the people or us the people? And for court reporters, they love that. They go crazy because they're all grammar freaks. And the thing is, I didn't have to show anybody a, 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 um, a cartoon. I just had to say it. You can also, uh, they can also use uh, famous quotes from famous people. People love to hear what famous people had to say. And the great thing is, if the audience doesn't laugh, hey, it wasn't you that said it. It was them that said it. You're just repeating it. So an example of something humorous, and, and I'm not, these are not stand-up comedy funny. These are mildly humorous, but in a good crowd, they get a good laugh. I was talking about stress. So said, boy, you talk about somebody in a stressful situation. John Glenn, they were interviewing him after his first trip in outer space. And the reporter says, John, what went through your mind uh, right before blastoff? He said, right before we blasted off, it suddenly occurred to me that everything that I was sitting on top of was made by the lowest bidder. <laughs> you had to think about it. I was like, yeah, sir. So now that's a quote, right? So it's a humorous quote that I'm able to use. I didn't have to write it. All I had to do was just deliver it. So uh, finding humorous quotes that people have said. Playing games. I play games with my audiences uh, sometimes, and it's, it's, it's great. Um, I, a lot of times people are in-the-moment type people where they couldn't deliver a line if they had to, but when things happen during their presentation and they react to them, they can get a great laugh. But if they tried to duplicate what they said in a different presentation, it would never work. It would sound forced in there. So natural humor, and that's responding to what's going on, in the, situ- in, in, in the uh, room at that time is a, a great way to get laughter. So you, what a, uh, here, you, a number of great suggestions, uh, and you're, you're making me feel a little bit more hopeful about myself, <laughs> that perhaps there are things that I can start to look at or 
practice uh, to, to bring a little humor into my own work. Jeff, unfortunately, we're slowly running out of time, and I'm curious if uh, you're sort of new. You're, you're doing so many interesting things related to this topic of humor and, and coaching others to be able to incorporate humor into their work or their, their actual comedy. Are there any new uh, projects coming up for you? Well, this is the year. Two years ago, no, three years ago, I developed an online program for court reporters to get their continuing education, which has been a big success for me. So now my next project this year is to develop an online course for normal people to be able to develop humor. So business people, management people, like that. It teaches them all the basics of, of comedy and humor, uh, what works, what doesn't work, and... Uh, it takes them to a step-by-step program of writing things, and they have the opportunity to send things in to me and have me look at them and send them back to them with uh, what I think are the corrections. And and then there will be other levels to it where if they want me to help them with delivery, that's a, another thing where we can get on Skype or talk on the phone and work on delivery. But uh, I just have all this information about learning to to be funny that I just really feel I need to get out to people. And even though I've had like 27 or 2,800 people in Atlanta take it, that's such a minuscule amount of people that have been able to be get funnier from my, from my knowledge. So I, I really want to get out there and share it. So that will be in the future. If any of your folks um, are interested in that, they can send me an email and say, put me on the list. And it's just my name, Jeff at jeffjustice.com. I'm sure you have that on the website somewhere. Yes, I'm going to make sure that we have that information. In the- well, you know what? I wouldn't have thought it was possible, but I, I, I'm also a Tai Chi guy, and I've been doing that for years. And my school closed this past year, and I found a guy online that does an online course DVD who is just amazing. And following his example, I'm going, you know what? If he can teach people this really intense Tai Chi <laughs> using videos, I can do it. I can do the comedy. At least that's my plan. <laughs> For sure. That's great. I will definitely be checking that out myself. Jeff, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, it has been- okay, and great. And I want you to notice how much better you feel now. You've been laughing for the past 45 minutes as before the show started. <laughs> I do. It's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Hey, Maya, let me just say one thing. If, if there are some business people listening and they'd like to uh, find out about me as a business speaker, just go to jeffjustice.com. But if they want to find out more about my comedy, um, they can just call me. Oh, actually, if they go to the jeffjustice.com, there's also a link for the comedy classes there as well. You heard it, listeners. Check out Jeff's website. Um, the link is here in the notes for the show. There's all kinds of opportunities to benefit from from Jeff's many, many talents. Jeff, thank you again, and I want to wish you a wonderful rest of the day. Okay, Mayan, I'm going to send you a white paper for all your listeners that you can put on the website, how to write a top five list. Oh, great. Thank you so much. That's fabulous. Okay, I'll email that to you right now. Take care. Great. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Jeff Justice. And, yes, I'm going to have to be practicing. Uh, first of all, I'll have to practice how to speak. And then...
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 